Hello folks, what's the crack? Welcome to Best of Belfast, the podcast that celebrates Northern Ireland and the incredible people in it. We are officially at the halfway point of our mini-series we're doing in partnership with Belfast City Council called Tough Times, Tougher City. It's all about five different businesses that have started, scaled and pivoted during the pandemic. And so far, we have heard from Murphy & Bailey, a new pet boutique that's opened up in East Belfast. We've heard from Aura Digital, which is a student startup that is doing really, really interesting things in the animation industry. And kind of at this third episode, this Wednesday, you know, this hump day, this halfway point during the week, halfway point during the series, I wanted to switch things up just ever so slightly You know, the other episodes in this series are 30 minutes long. They're highly edited. They're quite punchy. You know, there's some very exciting, energetic music at the start. And I thought, you know, this episode would be nice to be released uncut and in a slightly slower pace because I think that these guys' story is just unbelievable. And I had a 30-minute cut of it. I had a 30-minute version. I listened back to it and I was like, do you know what, man? It just ain't right. There's too many pieces of this beautiful puzzle missing. And so we've decided just to release this one raw, the way it hit our ears, the way it was told to us. And I think after doing, you know, 200 of these, this is one of my all-time favorites. There is so much going on. It's a journey that takes us all over the world to Belfast, around the world again, back to Belfast, couple of kids in the mix, global pandemic hits. All of a sudden, we're growing fruit and vegetables in our back garden. Next thing you know, we have a mushroom startup. Next thing you know, Michelin star chefs are phoning us. Five-star restaurants are looking some of these oyster mushrooms. Didn't even know what an oyster mushroom was before talking to these guys. And, you know, we talk about the best of Belfast. These two right here, Terry and Judy, they are what makes this city so special. And I was so, so encouraged listening to their story. It really touched me. Like, it really lifted my spirits. And it just makes you think, like, if these guys can do so well, you know, starting a business that grows mushrooms in the middle of a city, like, what can you not do? Honestly, wild, wild times. So yeah, look, that's it. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to get out of the way, get into today's episode. And I should just say, as quick underscore, like, pay attention to how much support these guys were able to receive. You know, like Northern Ireland is not perfect, and I know it's not, even though I love it. But you have to give credit where credit is due. The council have done an amazing job at putting so many packages and programs available for people who do want to start, scale, or pivot a business. As we've been saying, you know, you don't need to have this £500,000 startup cost. You can start very, very small and, uh, you know, build your way up from there. Okay, I said I would stop talking. Let's do it. Please welcome to your ears the wonderful Terry and Judy from Hardy Growers. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. So I'm from, I'm Judy and I'm from Hungary originally. That's where I was born and raised. I lived my first 24 years there. So I was born in Budapest. And when I was six, we moved down to the the countryside. And my mom and dad, they studied uh, fostering kids. And that was Mm. their sort of mission. But for me as a kid, it was super fun because I had like loads of siblings. Um, (laughs) I had about 13, 14 siblings over the time of eight years. Incredible. And uh, we spent most of the time, uh, lived most of the time in a a farm. So we grow animals and 
worked on the on the farm and you know it was like a schedule <laughs> half a month. Uh, next week you're outside helping around the animals, animals. The field. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got into loads of trouble it's <laughs> like fun stuff for us um <laughs> poor mom <laughs> but um uh yeah that's what that the, that that was my my cool. childhood so when i turned 14 15 that's when uh, we moved back to to budapest back to the city mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's awesome back to the capital city yeah that's that's my story. yeah and i'm i'm terry i'm uh, i'm originally from mumbai if it's um you know, just a walk on the road and you meet somebody and they ask, hey, mate, where are you from? It's quite evident I'm, I come from India. <laughs> but, I've got, but I've got lots um, lots of culture and nationalities uh, in my background. My my mum would be classified as a, mum's side would be classified as a Persian uh, that were ah, uh, mm, Iranian. Uh, and a few generations ago, uh, they had to leave because of the issues, w- w- religious issues in, the, in, their, in their times. And they made it to India. Uh, and then they settled in India about three or four generations ago. And then my dad would be part of the uh, Portuguese colony, so Goa, basically, that ruled for 400 years. And uh, so we're a product of that from dad's site. And then mom and dad meet in Mumbai, get married and move to Kuwait in the Middle East. <laughs> wow. So we, I, I was born in Kuwait, 85, and the Gulf War broke out in 1990. And that's where we were. Uh, literally, they picked me and my brother up, leave everything behind hop on a bus that goes via Jordan, uh, via Saudi Arabia into Jordan for a month as refugees because every commercial flight in sight was being bombed at the time. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, next chance comes up and we're on that flight as a king of uh, Jordan was allowing commercial flights to India and the rest of the world. So, so we come back to India and... So that'll be a bit about me. I'm a, currently a Portuguese national. Um, a few years ago, I got my <laughs> Portuguese citizenship through my dads and granddads, etc. Um, so that's Sadly, us. he doesn't speak Portuguese. I can speak uh, no fala Portuguese, and that means like I don't speak Portuguese. There you go. <laughs> that's, all you that. no, that's all you yes, need. Yes, but it can be a bit embarrassing, you know, like on the flights, he, he flips his Portuguese passport and someone... <laughs> Do you start talking uh, to him in Portuguese well, and he's yeah. like, uh... Very sorry. embarrassing, very embarrassing. <laughs> so then, Judy, how does uh, a Hungarian gal end up meeting and marrying this Mumbai-going <laughs> Portuguese <laughs> national? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, my best friend um, in 2007, uh, she invited me to, to go with her to India on a mission, on a mission trip. And um, so that was in 2007 when we when we met, went out together. And then I came back home uh, to volunteer. So we volunteered in hospitals, schools, orphanage home, um, churches, different setups. Um, so that was the first time I went to India, and and I just fell in love with the place, with the culture, the people, the food. Um, and the man. <laughs> Not yet. No, that was the first trip. Oh, the first. this is the prequel. I love it. That was the prequel. Um, but that was Netflix the first series. Time I went. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in 2010, uh, this best friend of mine, her name is Cinti, um, Cynthia. She lived in India. She she was there for quite a few years, and then she invited me again to go and join her. So I went, I spent a few months with her, and uh, we organized a talent show. We were and the second in, trip now, no? That's the second yeah, trip second, in second. 2010, mm-hmm. yes. 
So we organized a talent show in a city called Shillong, that's upper northeast India, and this the city is flooded with universities, so a mm -hmm. bunch of students. Musicians, and, artists. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so we created this talent show and we learned that there was another mission group um, and we invited them as well and T happened to be part of that group. <laughs> so so we happened to, to do this little talent show together. I heard him talking, he saw me. Um, Love at first sight, Terry? Or? It was, it was, yeah, it was love at first sight. So she did a little dance and, uh, and she started off the dance saying that, you know, uh, you can use your whole body. Your whole body has been created to, uh, to be used. And um, in dance, it just doesn't have to be in a party. It can be in a spiritual setup. It can be uh, in different setups. And I had never encountered that. My background was just trans parties going away for days <laughs> in jungles and coming back and over. what are you talking about spiritual dance like, and and she began to move and her entire body spoke a language something that I'd never experienced before um, and I just wanted to thank her and appreciate what she had done that day so after her little dance I you know go back to the AV room at the back that she was uh, helping out in and I knock the you know the door and say, yeah. "Hey, can I can I chat to you for a second? And that's literally all, just to say thank you. But uh, what happened on my side, which was a bit of a, a funny situation, is um, I was there with the mindset of I'm just here to serve the people, mm. I'm here to to help out. And um, I saw him, and anyways, he was super handsome, and still is. <laughs> it helps. It helps. So, it helps. But 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 then I was just. Um, well, <laughs> I was mad at myself because I thought, oh, it's not the reason I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm here to serve the people, not sure. to, you know, catch someone for myself. <laughs> so um, so I, I said to myself that, you know, I'm not going to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to don't get distract me from my so mission, I, bro. I, exactly. <laughs> I want to show up at that, you know, that, that session where I'm knocking the window and I'm saying, hey, can I talk to you? She looks at me. And, and I say... Sorry, I can't. <laughs> She's like, later after the service. I'm like, what? You're like, what? Well, but yesterday was so great, man. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, no, that was just embarrassing. Yeah. But, but then um, we met after the service. Yeah, we exchanged yeah, yeah. numbers, contacts. And uh, it was strange. In that moment, when I when we were exchanging numbers, I could, I could see into her eyes. And what was funny is, as she spoke... That was just music to my ears, and I was like, "Wow, I could wake up to this, to this particular mm. voice, this particular lady for the rest of my life." It was the strangest thing that happened. So I came back home, I diaried the whole thing, and sat and kind of mulled over it. And I'm like, "What is happening? I don't even know this girl." But I'm very happy that we ended up talking. <laughs> but yeah, that's that was us, man. Yeah. So cool. So how do you go from a, we'll call it a chance encounter for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. How do you go from a, a chance encounter to then tying the knot and moving to Belfast? Knot. What's that all about? Flip, yeah, wild, wild that journey. That was a man. crazy journey. So we, <clears throat> we exchanged numbers and she's in India doing uh, volunteering stuff for about a month-ish. And we're on the phone chatting, getting to know each other. And during that month, uh, the last week before she flew, to Budapest was via Mumbai, um, and that's where we were. Um, I was uh, working and you know living with my mom and dad at that point. Um, and for that week, we got to hang out. I had my motorbike, so we'd go around Mumbai. We'd do loads of volunteering stuff through our um, Christian organizations, etc. 
Um, and then within that one week, we got super close, absolutely super close. And we just knew, we just knew, we knew and we knew that it's going to be us. We're going to spend a lifetime together, <laughs> but we didn't know how the next we phase We didn't even know when we'll be meet again. So <clears throat> mm-hmm. I remember that moment mm-hmm. where he dropped us to the airport. airport yeah. And then I just looked at him and I told him, like, this is the last time I'm saying goodbye. Mm. Oh, I'm ever traveling alone. Like, I'm traveling you said, alone right? without yeah. you. Yeah, okay. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I, went, I flew back home uh, to Budapest and from there we kept in touch through email, Skype, short videos. For a year, yeah. Uh, and we didn't know for how long. We didn't know for how long. So for the first year. half year I was back in Budapest just working, trying to, to collect some money so, so we can see each other again. Mm-hmm. Um, T was working again, just putting money aside. Yeah. And then um, a half year later... So after six months, I moved to London Yes. because uh, I thought I would have better chance to, to get a job and save some money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there for another half year. Yeah. And in that second half year, we started to see some opportunity that started to open up so we would have a chance to, to meet again. Yeah, and then we met in, in, in Paris. Uh, where it turned out that my mom was teaching the head of the French consulate in India, uh, Hindi. So ah. he and for years she was doing it, and in the third year he passed one of the highest levels of, of Hindi, uh, you know, the official qualification that any French, yeah, that any Frenchman passed. So he was so excited that he offered a Shenzhen visa to my mom anytime she wanted it. Wow. And I'm hearing this story, and I'm like, Mom, I need to go to Hungary. Can you pick me up? And she's like, Yeah, I'll put in a word. And the next next day I get a call from the guy saying, Come over and we'll sort you out with the Shenzhen. I wow. go there. They stamp a three-year visa, <laughs> no oh charge, nothing, goodness. no document. That nothing. was amazing. And we just, yeah. And because he's uh, from the French embassy, yeah. T- Terry had to enter. The first Europe. port of call had to be France. France. Wow. So, so we chose we La met. Paris. <laughs> and we went on the Eiffel Tower. We and ate the baguette. We he, did like <laughs> We went to the Eiffel Tower and that's where he, he went on his knee and yeah. he called me. So yeah. that was like yeah. really yeah. romantic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that's the pinnacle of romance, right there. Yeah. <laughs> but then we had a one day, one day, uh, one night in Paris, and then the next day we flew to Budapest, met the family about two weeks, and then we flew back to India. And for the next six months, I would work full time, but then we would also like organize the wedding, and we got married in Goa. Mm. And then uh, my mom, yeah. my family, and a few friends of mine, and my pastor from my church, uh, they flew down. Um, yeah, about a dozen, <clears throat> about a dozen people from her side, about roughly a hundred people from my side. Which in <laughs> India sounds like a birthday party. It's not a, it's not a, uh, <laughs> not a wedding at all. It's a joke. That, like that, yeah. that, that's a casual uh, yeah. meeting people on the street. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah literally, basically. literally, literally. Great. So, how, what brought you to Belfast then? Because from from an outsider perspective, it seems like an odd place to choose. Yeah, very yeah, true though. It wasn't on our radar at all. So we we got married, moved to flew the next week to Budapest. We knew we were headed to London after all our year-long research and planning. And uh, I'd done my MBA international business uh, in London just around the recession 2007-2008 and I had to go back because the markets were so bad after I'd graduated. There was not much opportunity here in London. So we kind of knew London was somewhere we'd like to head to. Judy had done her six months work. And then uh, we just had a bit of connections to get our whole game up and running. Um, And then we spent about two and a half years there. And for one of the conferences we'd gone to, which is part of, again, the Christian Association uh, conference, 
we go and, f uh, and one of the Scottish fellows tell us, uh, we hear you're planning to go ahead with your uh, academics and things, yeah. Uh, why don't you all try a different, uh, instead of being around London, there's one in Birmingham, why don't you all try the one in Belfast? And you'd probably like the whole, <clears throat> the whole Irish vibe. And we said, okay, we'll just book a weekend, we'll see what it's like. So we booked something in the city, stayed in the cathedral quarter uh, for a weekend, and we just fell in love the second the flight landed. Mm. We're like, this is amazing. They have proper cycling lanes and tick box. We just like the whole vibe, the, the city center, um, yeah. the buzz. The young crowd. Mm -hmm. But um, then it's so easy to just get out of the city mm. and be in the greenery and just go yeah. for a beautiful drive, Countryside. go to the beach. And, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was the size of Belfast that just attracted us. And then as we got to know people and the... The humor that people share is just so <laughs> unique. Like you cannot find an absolute stranger will talk to you as if he's known you for twenty years yeah. and crack Amazing. a joke. Like and you're like, wow, he's just involved me in that joke. That's <laughs> kind of personal, isn't it? You just don't <laughs> Should I be offended or, or is that nice? I'm not sure. <laughs> we love it. So good. So I mean, before Hardy Growers, then like mm. you know, how involved were the two of you in business, Judy? I love kind of hearing that story of you on the farm that in itself is an education in business you know terry you're doing an mba so clearly you've got you've got some game before this you know to fill in the gaps from belfast we we arrived belfast we do two two and a half years in belfast one and a half one and a half sorry mm -hmm. in belfast and now we've kind of reached the, the final phase of our um bible college and we had a choice to go to the main branch which was in colorado uh, and then they had 40 other campuses around America and 40 rest of the world. So we just chose to go straight to the headquarters uh, and we stay for one academic year graduating in Woodland Park, Colorado. This is like 10,000 uh, uh, feet above sea level. Pikes Peak is what the mm. highest peak there is in Colorado. And we spent a year and I graduated in marketplace ministry. So it focuses on business. Uh, and then Judy did it in creative arts. Creative arts, yes. Um, and at the end of the course, we were married for four years, studying for four, working to provide for education and travel. And we were like, you know what? We need to take a break. Like, mm. this is this is fantastic. We've done so much travel. We've done this and that. But we're just exhausted after the studying. And we need time for us. So at the back of our head, we, we had planned, wish we could do a whole year away, just go traveling, but we didn't know how to fund that trip. And through the course, it was like a, a diploma in business for that one year in Colorado. And uh, I came up with a business idea, absolute accident, wherein I bought a couple of um, secondhand charity shop business books that my uh, professor was recommending for us to read. And... It was a dollar each on that particular Saturday that usually cost five, ten, fifteen dollars secondhand. And I bought about five books. I pay five dollars, charity shop books, and and then I think to myself, I know these books cost, you know, five, ten and fifteen on eBay. Mm. Uh why don't I try and put them on there? They've been teaching us about like buying and selling, blah blah. So I list them on eBay. I also list them on Craigslist, which is like the equivalent of Gumtree that we have here. <laughs> so I put on Craigslist and about 20 minutes, someone says, I'll buy all the books. And that's for a fiver each. I've bought four or five or five books. And he pays me 25 pounds in 20 minutes, nice. $25 in 20 minutes. Yeah. So I've turned <laughs> five bucks into 25 in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, what have I been doing all my life? I've been working. <laughs> You're like, mate, forget an early rate. I'm interested in that minute rate, baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> so so uh, we do that, exchange the money, takes the books, all that done. But the next day, I wake up and I get an e- e- email from PayPal saying, you've now received $25 for the books you've listed on eBay. Someone has bought them. And I'm like, oh, oh I don't have those books. <laughs> That's done. That's gone. <laughs> but then I'd seen another 25 and I didn't want to get rid of it. So I was like, what can I do to like keep this transaction going because it's an internet transaction so mm. it doesn't matter if i have the books or not as long as I'm bu- i can buy it from somebody and ship it to their address they should be happy paypal will be happy and i'd be happy with the money so i do that i find on ebay i find cheaper books and i just ship it to this guy's address because nice. i've got the money now i've got their address <laughs> and i realized that i just tapped into something that already exists this whole process is called drop shipping mm-hmm. it's legal it's straight and uh, people do it with all sorts of like uh, equipment uh, categories of i don't know different anything from nuts bolts watches to yeah. cups saucers etc mm-hmm. and i just tapped into secondhand books so when that worked, we just we scaled it up from five books to about a hundred books. We started researching on what sells well, and then money started coming in. People started buying books, and then the next thing we know, we've booked our tickets and we're going away for a whole year. We did six months of Europe, six months of India, traveling, running that secondhand bookshop. Wow! Um, and we stayed in Airbnbs for two months every time we stopped, so we had steady internet. We're not messing around with connections mm-hmm. and things. <laughs> so we did two months Portugal, two months in Budapest, two months in London, and then two months in Mumbai, two months in Goa. And we ended the trip with two months in the Himalayas. And then we, on that whole year of traveling, we constantly thought of Belfast. It's yes. crazy after spending a year and a half. We're like, where do we go next? <laughs> we're like, you know, the people, the the atmosphere, the small city, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. We, want to, we want to have kids. And we could not think of anywhere other than Belfast. Wow. Yes. <clears throat> Honest truth, man. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that. I'm so glad. Um, so glad we're talking today because I just love, I love hearing those stories of, like, you know, I think I've shared with you slightly, Terry. Like, my story is kind of like a homecoming story. So I hated yes. Northern Ireland and I couldn't wait to leave. And then I left. Yes. And then I came back and I fell in love. So it's interesting to see how... You know, you guys also had a similar experience, even though you weren't from here. I find yeah. that really, it's yeah. its hard to get your head around. It really, really is, especially, as you say, after you, you go to so many different places. Yes, and what's strange is it wasn't just Belfast, because that year and a half that we spent, we had a lot of opportunity to network and meet people. Yes. So we had friends in, you know, Derry, we had friends in Cork, uh, County Carlo, mm. Dublin, and just about all around Northern Ireland as well, uh, uh so we just had so many friends and faces and, and, and warm reception from people. And it just drew us back. We're yes. like, we're going back because of these connections. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this was the first place where we um, really started to create something together. Of our own. That's of true. Our own. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, it wasn't my friends or your yeah. friends. It was ours. Right? Yeah. Even yeah. in London, we, we had we created some friendships mm-hmm. together. But, but even there, we had more of like, his friends or my yeah. friends or yeah. people that we knew separately. Yeah. But here, yeah, this was the, the common ground where we knew we could settle. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not super far away from Europe. I mean, it's in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. um, we just started to create new friendships. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. So you come to Belfast, you set up your life, this third place where, you know, both of you can create something new together. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm few years go by a few kids pop up mm-hmm. and then uh mm-hmm. that thing called the global pandemic hits so mm-hmm. where does that leave you as a couple yeah uh, it was a slap in the face man um 
So working for this company in, in, in Wimbledon uh, since 2012 uh, as a cruise travel agent. So we sold cruise holidays for an online, online travel company, a very popular brand called Iglu, I-G-L-U. And probably one of the best companies I've ever worked for. Uh, the CEO is called Richard Downs. Fantastic vision and he runs it like a family. It's just amazing. So when it comes to furlough, we know that the company is in a tight spot. The whole entire global uh, travel world has been uh, affected and furlough was the way forward. But the idea of being told like to sit at home <laughs> but mm. go out and walk in a straight line those are the arrows you follow them in the supermarket like yeah and like Judy says I'm, I'm such a social bird I love networking I love meeting people like I love getting out my, my mom and dad are a few minutes away love catching up with them taking the kitties across to them um, absolutely love all that and then to not be able to do that and that's not a lot of things that I've just mentioned it's just absolutely <laughs> natural Basics. human yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. things yeah. that people do but for me <clears throat> it was a little bit different um, our son so Tia our daughter um, she was one and a half yeah a bit older mm -hmm. well almost well, no she was mm -hmm. two I'm sorry she was two and then um, our son he was just about four or five months mm -hmm. when this, yeah. this pandemic happened Jeremy yeah Jeremy and um, so I was still in the phase of having two smallies and just healing and, and whatever so I was as mainly in the house yeah uh, and I just started to go to you know mom's and dad's park just started to meet people so for me when they said you have to stay in the house mm. for me yeah. it was like a Yay! <laughs> I have an excuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit different. No, I, I, I really missed like mobs and tots and yeah. all the activities for the kids. One of the positive things of having a child in the pandemic was, oh, great! I, you know, now we can just team up and 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 stay at home. Especially that first year is so intimate with the children. Is what yeah. we found. Yes. And if we have any support in that first year, and especially it was furlough for nine months, so. I was at home and just rocking it, like loving it, taking care of really Tia good. while she was looking mm -hmm. after Jeremy. Um, and then a friend of mine from the dads, and so I'm part of a dads and tots group for the last two years. We're four, of, four dads that meet up religiously every Wednesday. And between the four of us, we have like 10 kids. Uh, <laughs> and we are, we're absolute chaos wherever we go, in the park <laughs> or if it's Indiana land, we just take our... <laughs> coffees and buns and yeah some fruits for the kids and which is cool <laughs> fun. so one of those dads uh Baruch Sahle he's from Ethiopia uh originally from there married to a local girl from Bangor and he starts uh well he's been sort of following regenerative agriculture permaculture and no dig organic market gardening and he was looking for an opportunity to to take it on a bigger scale and the Helens Bay Wall Garden opened up where he leaves the land started a company called Hahu Organics and he was looking obviously for help to get the whole ball up and up and running. So I was able to volunteer a day to two, sometimes two and a half days a week. Um, and this was basically from scratch, have no clue about gardening, farming, anything. We love cooking, Judy and I, between mm -hmm. us, we, we fuse our cuisine, we love food, uh, we love fresh markets and all that, fresh food markets. Um, but never understood where our food came from. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was an introduction to soil, compost, land, earth, elements, like seed and heart. Oh, goodness, it was just a, an, an explosive 
uh, introduction to market gardening and food and relationship with it. So it, it was super fun because um, the first day uh, he went out. I remember he was he was quite um, down just because mm-hmm. of the lockdown and not being able to meet anyone. And mm-hmm. um, I remember the first day when he came home uh, from the farm and his his face was like lit up, you know, it was like radiant <laughs> mm-hmm. and shining, like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, it was so beautiful. Yeah. I just lay flat on the ground and I smelled the earth. <laughs> yeah, I, I took my camera when he called me to like, I, I was like an urban kid, he called me to farm, but I took my DSLR, I took my phone, I took everything, all the gadgets possible. And then he I said, can I take a few photos of these beds? And he said, yeah, go ahead. And I just lay flat on the ground, <laughs> like, as close as possible to Mother Earth. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so that, that yeah. was, I think, a very powerful turning point. Like, you know, hmm. what do you do in the lockdown, and how do you go through it? That was a very powerful um, change. That shift that happened in hmm. him, because from there onwards, he whatever he learned, he started started to put it into practice in our own garden. In our backyard, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Which was brilliant to see, you know, our messy garden turning into this beautiful haven full of vegetables yeah. and fruits. And Ours is a typical pebbly and the odd weed that grows. We barbecue in the backyard, but we, we ne- and we just pull the odd weed that grows, but we barely spend any time maintaining the backyard for the last three years that we've been here. And this, this past season, that went from that to... Uh, the Garden 40, of Eden. Yeah, 40, <laughs> 40 different types, man. Like 20, 20 vegetables, uh, tw- uh, 10 herbs, and 10 flowers, uh, uh, varieties and varieties wow. of stuff growing. Like, and we don't have like a massive garden. We, we have a good sized garden, but yeah. uh, but he just came up with really cool um, beds and raised beds. Raised yeah, beds. just low tech raised beds. Uh, I drove around picking up pallets from wherever they were possible. I even went to Ballymena and picked up someone's door. I was so excited. <laughs> That's got glass on it. Oh, we can make a greenhouse out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Ballymena. <laughs> like, what am I even doing? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. That uh, yeah. that that little Craigslist Gumtree life never leaves you. Once you once you start, you can't stop. It just follows yeah. you for the rest of your life, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. And we've seen we've seen in the last like uh, we've been married nine years now. But there there is beauty and there is uh, wisdom even in in the secondhand world. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 just amazing. Like uh, how much you can get away with and what's secondhand here in the West is completely yeah. different. What, what secondhand is in the East, man? It's it's it, people just get rid of such good stuff. It's just amazing. That yeah. has such good value in it. So totally. Yeah. So how do you go from? Um, a very, very, very keen hobby gardener and a volunteer to then saying, hey, do you know what we should do? We should start a business. And do you know specifically what we should do? It should be a mushroom business. <laughs> I remember that. Um, so um, so he, we've been busy in the garden and we have all these 40 plants growing and um, it was super fun and beautiful. And then this one day he... he tumbled on a few videos on YouTube regarding mushrooms and how you can grow them. And then he came to me and, and, and he was like, hey, boo, what's it? We start uh, growing mushrooms. And and I was like, you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have two under two babies. We have a garden with, you know, 40 different plants growing. And now you want to do mushrooms too. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You go ahead and have fun. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. Um 
Yeah. But he did it anyway. The, the way I saw it was, uh, so obviously I was getting direct training from Burke, but he was also t- telling me about the chaps he was following on YouTube. And then through those YouTubers, we were following other YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like there were many commonalities between, let's say, mushrooms, market gardening, and even uh, they call it... Uh, like maintaining a wormery so you can have compost worms feed them your kitchen scraps and they convert your kitchen scraps into like black gold and it's it's one of the best best absolute best fertilizers natural fertilizers for uh, yeah we still got them from the last season um and they're they're really really effective in in the in, in organic market gardening so we have that going again we learn stuff through youtube and then we stumble on across this particular lady on the uh, Isle of White, I think, on Isle of Man, I beg your pardon. Awesome. And she was doing market gardening, and she had just gotten into, uh, lo- uh, you know, growing shiitakes on logs of wood. Mm-hmm. And then we felt, ah, oh, it's a bit out of uh, reach for us. Is there any other technique? And we, you know, stumbled upon oyster mushrooms in grow bags, and their simple ingredients that they grow on a substrate that they grow on, like straw and straw pellets, that was mm-hmm. easily available. And that just made it a lot more easier when it was when we knew what needed to go into the bag or how much spawn that's your seed for the mushroom so we planned then around mid-june and it takes like a month ish for the <clears throat> for the mushrooms to bloom from sowing to harvest and after two weeks we lost interest uh it was it was in the kitchen we're like oh this thing is taking forever and we just chucked it in the shed it was nice and warm and then we invite some friends over barbecue and the restrictions had, uh, had relaxed. So we're doing our usual barbecue in the back. <clears throat> and that's where I go into the shed, bring out a couple of beers, see some mushrooms in the back. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> this actually grew. This actually grew. They survived us. <laughs> so, we, so Judy goes and picks them and she, she sautes them in, in garlic, garlic and, and olive oil. Mm. And then she serves them. And we just served them that they just expected meat because it's barbecue. And they were like, what is that? What meat was that? We're like, no, those are oyster mushrooms. And they flipped out. And just the look on their faces as they bit and chew into that oyster mushroom, freshly harvested, that 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 did it for yeah. us. That's where the penny dropped. Wow. And we felt, what if we could just commercialize this? Wow, that's, that thing is actually worth it. Yeah. I mean, we seriously didn't put much effort into mm. it. Um, Yet, we still had mushroom growing. So we thought if we can actually put some effort mm. into it, then, then it So we spoke it. about it. And then by August, we went to Budapest for a month, uh, mm-hmm. spent time with their family. And on that trip, we started mulling over it, doing number crunching. Uh, so my, my background is very entrepreneurial. I've not really started companies as such, but it's funny. I've been, I've been flexing those entrepreneurial and mm-hmm. creative muscles for about four or five years now. So I write down business ideas in my Evernote and I kind of play with those business ideas as to what is the entry point, the risk point, you know, the output versus input. I just enjoy that that side of uh, of business, although I didn't start anything besides the Secondhand Bookshop. But the Secondhand Bookshop gave us a lot of uh, experience under our belt, what it was to run an online business which then those skills just got transferred on to the mushroom world because of the few things that we learned in that year running a second-hand bookshop. Um, so fast forward to, to the mushrooms bit. Um, we like the sound of it. We like the taste of it. We like the idea that we've done a bit of research. There's, there's literally not, much, not many mushroom growers in the specialty mushroom world. 
And we were like, this does sound like an opportunity. So we invested in our education to uh, uh, cultivate commercial mushrooms in a urban setup, so i.e. indoor setup. Uh, and there is a company called Grow Cycle. Adam and Eric run it in Devon. Uh, and they specialize for the last 10 years teaching folks to uh, cultivate specialty mushrooms in urban areas. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of that course was it was one of those online courses, but they had a, a thousand member strong Facebook community that Very was nice. dedicated to the mushroom growers. So, you know, somebody's questions, somebody's answers, somebody's success with somebody's failures. So we were just like constantly learning mm -hmm. and it just catapulted us into diving deeper and going as further as we can mm. with the idea. I mean, it, it is, it's a crazy concept, urban farming, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. Judy, you mentioned, you know, one of the things you like about Belfast is that you can get out to the greenery so quickly. But I think mm -hmm. what you guys are doing is so important, even on like a global scale, because, mm -hmm. you know, urban farmer is the future. And you look, you look at, you know, yeah. places like some of the big cities in India, where the countryside is very, very, very far away. Yes. You know, for that yes. food supply chain, urban farming and vertical farming and all of these various things are just going to become more and more important and part of our kind of cities and our landscapes. Yeah. Yeah, we have, uh, it's been just a couple of months, we're in, in the game now and in that bubble of uh, sort of micro food and um, beverage enterprises is what we're surrounding ourselves by organically. And uh, we've come across two to three micro green growers just here within Bangor and Belfast. Wow. Yeah, and then we have no-till organic farms like the Helens Bay one, there's Picked, there's Hahu Organics, there's Vance Organics by the coast. There are so many like local growers. It's just fantastic. fantastic. So how, like in terms of taking the leap then, like what gave you the guts to pull the trigger on mushrooms? Um, I think uh, from an entrepreneurial side, it, 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 this is classed as a low tech mushroom cultivation um, model. Uh, in the high tech, which is your traditional uh, button chestnut mushrooms, you need a quarter of a million to just get some skin in the game. There are papers, research papers out there that tell you all that. Uh, but with a low tech, you could start with, you know, a couple of grand just to get the ball rolling like we did uh, mm -hmm. in our one of our spare rooms. And once the experiments worked, we knew X is the amount to then take it to the next level in terms of commercial. So that, that low input was uh, a, a very attractive... Um, point Price, for us yeah, yeah low risk so what support has um you know with the belfast city council been able to bring to the table in terms of helping you start your business and then grow it mm -hmm. so ongoing is the answer but uh, in a nutshell we started off with the business uh plan which basically looks at the year one and two so they have mentors in place and consultants in place that sit down with you and take you through the, the process of uh putting a business plan together and then once you've got that, then you can approach investors, uh, uh, banks, etc., to raise funds. That's if the business requires it, which we did. But it was just uh, not the best time to raise money as a startup because <laughs> all the ba all the banks are focusing on current businesses. And, the the banks were so so busy <laughs> and not startups. And disaffected yeah. by the the pandemic that they didn't even want it to decline. We, oh, and if we had a decline letter, <laughs> we could go to the startup funding, which is there by the government. You know, the government's got a startup fund in place up to 10 grand, uh, up to 25 grand, I think. And we just needed 10 to start off with. 
but they wouldn't even decline us. Like they says, no, we're not even looking at paperwork right now. We're just bogged down with current supporting current businesses that there's no room for startups. So that then forced us to look internally and see how could we raise funds. But to answer your question on uh, uh, BCC, so they they looked after the uh, business plan side of things. And then once we got onto the Go For It program, fifteen hundred funding, mm-hmm. which was an absolute blessing mm-hmm. in disguise, because that money doesn't come to us in cash; it has to go to a vendor or supplier. Nice. And we chose rent to be paid, and that paid like I don't know, six seven months of yes. rent uh, at where we are, so we didn't have to worry about worry about rent at the start. It's great. Yeah. And is that the all of the grants and stuff that you received, or was there anything else? Yeah, so the 500 was expedited, the 1500 was um, uh, go for it. So it's about mm-hmm. 200, two, two grand and roughly on a 10 grand startup, 20% has come through grants. So we're super happy, super happy. So, so cool. And so, part of the, part of the grant, 50, uh, 1500, was 18 hours of mentoring and it's just quality wow. quality mentoring, that they, which is ongoing at the moment. They just mm-hmm. use a few hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. So you mentioned earlier, you know, whenever you start this thing, you, you don't really know who your buyers are. And I think mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of the beautiful thing about starting a business. You know, even, you know, I start this podcast. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. I should have about like 10 billion listeners, you know, in the first kind of two weeks. And I, there's no <laughs> yes. reason why like everyone on the planet wouldn't want to listen to this. Yeah. yeah uh, so yeah, yeah. then you whittle that down, you do your research, you get out there, mm-hmm. you get in the game, as you've said a few times, and you, mm-hmm. you start to kind of learn as you go. Who yeah. are your buyers? Like, you know, who, what is your market as such? Yeah, so we're sort of 50-50. We, we, we want to position ourselves 50-50. So the first half is, uh, if you're looking at trade, uh, we're looking at high-end restaurants, because we're talking specialty mushrooms, um, high-end restaurants, uh, gourmet you know, cafes, and really passionate chefs who know that what these mushrooms represent, mm-hmm. what, what taste and, and what sort of profile they bring to their, to their cuisine and to their culinary experience. So that's who who we see our product like right now we're not even dealing with trade because of the quantities we're growing but we've got some serious names like contacting us from five star from michelin chef uh, star restaurant and they're just watching what we're doing and they they can't believe it's growing like five minutes away from their restaurant (laughs) in the city they're like can we come and just touch them and and (laughs) take a photo with them <laughs> so, so that's a type of uh, um, audience in the trade trade world, and then we've also got uh, farm shops again, probably upmarket farm shops uh, that see value in specialty mm-hmm. uh, mushrooms, and then um, delivery companies are also like popping up everywhere, and mm-hmm. they're they're promoting like gourmet local Irish produce, and again we fit within that within that uh, bracket. And then the likes of Indie Food, Refill Quarter, we've been in touch with them. Alice from Refill Quarter, Johnny from Indie Food. They've been just fantastic people at the start of our journey like mm-hmm. to welcome us, say hello, see what's happening, see how can we work with them and what's their ethos and how can we fit within that and all that. So that's all the trade side. And then on the direct to customer side, which we just love. We, I, mm-hmm. uh, ever since we volunteered at Hahu Organics on the farm, Sundays, uh, sorry, Saturdays would be the day when we would uh, freshly harvest uh, um, uh, vegetables and then we would put them on the farmer's market. And I, uh, I've been there like on a couple of occasions where I was allowed to do the sales bit 
And I realized my strength lies in facing the customer, telling them that I was involved from sowing to harvesting <laughs> wow. and what they could do with their food and how they could cook it, you know, what they could pair it with. And that's where my juices flow, man. So I would love to be at the, at the farmer's market, love to be at a click and collect uh, as much as possible, if uh, depending on restrictions and all that. But that's cool. definitely yeah. direct customer, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Judy, if maybe you could tell us a little bit about the oyster mushroom and what makes that special and different to you know other types of mushrooms so yes what they're growing really they, they have so many um health benefits um loads of uh, vitamins um they have that just good for the for the body the flavor you know it can be really the center of the the plate our focus with our mushrooms is to to help people to understand that mushroom isn't just something that you just throw on your yeah, it's not not just thrown on the Ulster Fry, it actually mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more than that. <laughs> it can actually replace meat. Now we are not vegans, we do eat meat as well, but we love our vegetables. Yeah. And we just see the benefit of it. Um the the vitamins, all the the goodness in it that just your body needs. Mm-hmm. Um so, for example, just the other day, I had some pink and yellow oyster um, mm-hmm. at home, and uh, I just made um, coconut-based um, stew out of it, and uh, it was just so beautiful. And even for me, uh, I'm coming also from a culture where we eat meat with meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but you have something on your plate that looks, first of all, beautiful, and then so meaty, so juicy, full of flavor, um, and full of benefits. Yeah, the, the first two weeks of orders have gone by, and uh, and I when we go personally to the house to to deliver the mushrooms, and nine out of ten times they're just they're just looking at the mushrooms. And they're like, These are so aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, and, uh, they haven't necessarily um, tried oysters before, but just bec- and people buy with their eyes, don't they? We buy with our eyes, so. Yes. It's just amazing. I think something I really love about what you guys are doing as well is I remember when I was Mm. in the Himalayas with a guy and we were hiking for, you know, 15 hours or whatever it was. Mm. And I would say like five hours of it, he spent telling me about all the different types of apples that exist in the world. And he was making the big point that like, you know, man, like at the supermarkets, like you only just get like one or two types of apples, but like there's actually hundreds. And, you know, it's nice because if you go to a big supermarket your choices of mushrooms you're getting one you're maybe getting two and so no wonder we're so surprised whenever we see your mushrooms because we're like whoa 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 like i've only ever seen mushrooms like this in like fairy tale books (laughs) yes Yes. and we've just taken one element of that oyster and we've stretched and we've gone five we're going five different oysters we've not even yeah. started the others <laughs> so, so it's yeah. it's class like, in the future in the near future we want to to grow different type of mushrooms as well like um lion's mane peanuts maitake um yeah just king oysters king is oyster. next yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah 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 awesome mm-hmm. so kind of on that point then like where do you see hardy growers being in say even oh i don't know the next 12 months see mm-hmm. we chose hearty growers as a name because we didn't want it to limit ourselves to mushroom growers mm-hmm. only yeah. so hearty growers mm-hmm. talks about us being um just hearty or the um we love to have people around and feed them well and <laughs> so yeah. so mushrooms, mushrooms are being one. hearty as well no? exactly mushrooms just mm. when you look at them they're, they're really 
full of flavor and life. Mm -hmm. So so we do see mushrooms there for sure, but then also we would like to venture out and making mushroom crisps and jerky and pate. I've been oh, wow. experimenting with that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then and dried then, mushroom products. So mm -hmm. it's a bit of a, a, um, a hurdle to jump to go from being yes. a primary producer to then start uh, preparing food and mm -hmm. there are different licensing mm -hmm. involved. Right now we've got the basic uh, DARA Department of Agricultural uh, green light from them. So that's allowing us to do what we're doing. And then the next phase is get in touch with Belfast City Council, which we are at the moment, uh, and to work with the whole next level of preparing food. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of slowing us down because there's a lot of equipment and a lot of things required before mm -hmm. we sure, yeah. take that step. Yeah, space as well and, and, and some, some more capital really to take it to the next level. That's cool. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear from each of you is just kind of starting to, to wrap up then. This is how we're, um, something we're really interested in mm. this series is trying to unpack some of the the lessons, but also like the realities of running your own business. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So we'll start kind of like with the positive. Like what's maybe your biggest highlight of your business journey so far? I think, uh, the yeah, it's without a doubt the reception that we've got from Belfast and beyond is just absolutely incredible from the trade, from the government, local councils, friends and family, direct customer. We cannot believe uh, how quick we've gotten to proving, you know, proving the business concept can take a while. And the fact that we've had such a warm reception, we've sold out every time we put something on the internet, <laughs> it just goes within minutes and hours. Uh, that just tells us that wow we want more you know we're getting that response in the market and that's just a highlight uh, yes. yeah yeah i think the other highlight is is uh, when you have your own business is that you're creating something mm. doesn't matter what you're doing you're selling something you're you're um an architect or you're farmer you're doing something with your own hand you're working for yourself and then you see the fruit of it yeah and and that that really empowers you. That's, that's yeah. what I feel like. Do you know what well, the beauty is? We've got uh, Spore Shore across uh, the city. We've got Mana Bag in Derry. There's a gentleman who grows uh, specialty mushrooms in Armagh. Mm -hmm. So there are just three or four growers at the moment. And it is a joy to be part of that community. Like, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful. Cool. What about the lowlights then? Because like they, uh, that's just the other side of the coin. It's the reality mm -hmm. of running your own business as well. Mm -hmm. I think the lowlights definitely is the the time and involvement, um, especially I feel like in the in the first few years, definitely in the first year, um, you're hundred and two hundred percent involved. Yeah. So to find some sort of balance between work and family and relationships is really difficult. Yeah. Um, you're almost probably yeah that's that's it that's for me the yeah. side of i think time just time or... yeah time with each other like our relationship judy's and mine or time with the kids um yeah that that's... i think with all honesty look, we've been made for nine years and i think our hardest and most difficulties has been the last one year yeah i would say so for sure just... for sure see normally finances can be a thing but in our case uh, and the country we're in, it's so cool that uh, according to universal credit uh, rules, if you start off a new business and you go self-employed, the government will uh, fund your household expenses for the first year. Brilliant. And they keep a close track on you. Like they have a mentor. You've got to be super accountable to 
all the time because they're you know providing you this funding but when that kicked in it just allowed us to go full time and not wow. you know do mm-hmm. here and there with mushrooms so the finance is not an issue but it's the emotion side it's the family side that's the low light and sense of mm-hmm. not having enough time to spend totally. with each other yeah. totally yeah. and i mean you guys have been involved in so many different experiences so many different mm-hmm. projects and employments mm-hmm. and things you've started mm-hmm. yourselves all over the world and i think business is such a great teacher as well yes and yes. so I'd, I'd love to find out from each of you you know what has been your biggest lesson from your hardy growers journey thus far mm-hmm. um, so entrepreneurship comes to me naturally but money management like understanding uh, how to treat money uh, understanding how to treat uh, relationships so a fellow f- mushroom grower which is you know probably 30 minutes away from us or two hours away from us we don't we somehow are so comfortable with what we're doing that we don't see them as competition. Mm. Uh, we, we see them as part of a community. I want to be in a place where if I run out of uh, produce, I want to literally uh, recommend, for, you know, saying, do you know what, I could just get you some from there or why don't you go across the street and, and get some off, off sports. Or so we, we, we're just beginning to tap into what it is to... Uh, be entrepreneurial in a community and competition really is not not a thing that's that we need to be threatened by it's mm-hmm. and in fact we're celebrating the fact that we're mm-hmm. we're mingling around with other mushroom growers microgreen growers market gardeners uh, you've got the you know cheesemongers someone starting uh, mozzarella very soon in the city and we're teaming up with them and there's mm-hmm. just a, 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 a wide variety of people so again, we're learning from all that and we're seeing, wow, it is good to collaborate. It is fantastic to collaborate than to compete is what we're learning. Mm. I think what I've learned um, also, that goes back really in the, in the, in the beginning. So the, the pandemic broke out, Terry lost his job, woman on, we don't do what's going to happen or what's the next step, but somehow business is always there and you can always find a gap uh, um, just a niche in the market that's empty that you can fill up and you just have to be you know open-minded yeah. and jump jump in it so what i learned really is there is always an opportunity there's always a way to get out of a tough situation yeah i love that mm-hmm. <laughs> final question guys and then uh mm. you will uh, you can get back to to your growing and your <laughs> uh your your awesome startup but Thanks, always like to, to try to finish uh you know these episodes with what would you say to the person listening right now? You know, maybe they're out for a run or maybe they're working in their own garden. Like, what would you say to that person who's maybe on the fence about starting their own business? Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? I would say go for it. Don't be afraid to jump. Um, find out what sort of help you can get from your local um, government council mm-hmm. and, and have people around you. Help, yeah. um, don't do a single you know one person man so one person show yeah uh, it's better to work in team it's better to have half around you yes yeah. uh, there's point. there's one principle or uh, it's a bit that i've learned from being around compost sounds a bit strange but 
what I've realized it is does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So what I've learned is when we look at the end product of that beautiful organic uh, broccoli or that organic celery, you know, or organic kale or chard sticking out of the ground, we're like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I could do that. But when you break it down and see what went into it, you realize there was just compost and the seed, couple of natural fertilizers that went into that. Uh, as an input to finally see that chard or kale as an output. And then what I learned was it's just the environment that we've created for that chard or kale to grow in. Mm. And, I, and I'm seeing that, that we can apply that to our personal lives, that surround yourselves with a good ground, mm-hmm. good people, the right people in, who can take you there. And if it wasn't for Burke Hahu Organics, like I kept telling him, dude, I'm so in love with what you're teaching me and what you bring to the table and how much value you're adding to my life. I'm ready to work for you next year. I'll quit everything I can and I'll just start doing this. And he turned around and says, dude, no way. You've got the potential to just take things on your own, start your own little wow. uh, venture. And he pushed me out like, go, 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 <laughs> till mushrooms happen. And it was like, wow, that is, I'm so yes. glad he did that. Like, So we yeah, are surrounding ourselves with the right, crowd if it's gardening and you want to get into gardening then there are places you can volunteer Mm -hmm. and don't underestimate the power of volunteering your time in exchange for a bit of education good friends the right friends the right people to be Mm -hmm. surrounded by yeah dudes what an amazing way to end thank you so much i really really appreciate your time and for uh sharing everything you did it was a blast thanks man thanks Thanks, man such a pleasure man thank you for having us such an opportunity thank you so much Man, what a great story. Listening back to that, it just... (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know what it is about these guys. They just... They are just so great. I love them. I love what they do. I love what they stand for. I love their journey. I love their story. I love the way they tell it. You know, I love the chemistry between them. And I just love that concept. Like, imagine growing mushrooms in the middle of a city and it working and it being a viable business. Class. Absolutely brilliant. Gotta say a big thank you to Belfast City Council for making today's episode possible. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this is part of our five-part mini-series called Tough Times, Tougher City. It's all about businesses that have started, scaled, or pivoted during the pandemic. And look, basically the idea is that we wanted to share these stories to highlight some of the great opportunities and support that the council has put together for people just like you people who are thinking about starting a business or are looking to grow a business or are looking to pivot your existing business in a completely different direction or a slightly different direction. You know, these are mad times. And uh, I think the story we just heard is a great example of being flexible and not being afraid to try new things. And there is, you know, there's a certain resilience and toughness to that, to use the buzzwords. And uh, look, I was was super inspired by today's show. I hope you were too. And I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, If it's your first time listening, welcome to Best of Belfast. This uh, eclectic mix of conversations featuring 200 people from Northern Ireland who have done interesting and incredible things. You can check out our full back catalogue at bestofbelfast.org. It's where you can also find the other episodes in this series. And look, the last thing I'll say is thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate you listening all the way through to the end. And uh, whatever you're up to, you know, the rest of your day, right?